Today's episode is coming in hot as we answer five burning questions about which Heat player has a chance to win the NBA's redesigned postseason awards, if the Heat can make a much-needed trade for another three-point shooter, and which team ahead of Miami in the standings could potentially slip all that, and we celebrate National Ice Cream Day on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube Odyssey or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. Uh, five burning questions today. We've got some great ones about whether or not the Heat need to make a move to add some additional shooting, whether or not they need to trade some of these players that are out of the rotation. But we're going to start with this one. What do you think, David, of the NBA's new names for their performance awards? And do any do any of the Heat players have a chance to win one? Briefly, let's just recap what the NBA announced this morning, recording this on a Tuesday uh, afternoon. Michael Jordan is now um, the namesake of the MVP award. So they've basically redesigned all the awards. Michael Jordan's, it's like his silhouette with a layup or something. So the MVP award is now named after Michael Jordan. Uh, Defensive player of the year is Hakeem Olajuwon. Rookie of the Year is named after Wilt Chamberlain. Sixth Man of the Year named after John Havlicek. Most Improved uh, named after George Mikan. And the new award, we have a new award for the most clutch player, and that's named after Mr. Clutch himself, Jerry West. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the new awards and the new names and all that stuff? Hey, I, you know, <laughs> long-time listeners will know I'm somewhat curmudgeonly about these sorts of things, and I'm right alongside of that, too, right now. I just I don't see the need for it. I, I think it's kind of silly. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that they're naming them after actual players rather than long dead white commissioners that nobody remembers. But at the yeah. same time, uh, I just don't know that I don't know that a change was necessary. So it's just like, let's introduce something new and flashy and be like, oh, let's just create a buzz about it. I just don't see the point in changing those names and, and then it, expecting some positive response from people in general. I, I don't know that anybody can even remember um, what the names of the awards were previously to them having been changed. Did they have names? I don't think that they had names. What they'll what they'll have is corporate sponsors. It's still going to be the right, Sprite the Kia, MVP. The yeah. MVP. Yeah, yeah. And so now is it the Kia Michael Jordan MVP? I, yes. Uh, the, the Kia, the NBA's Kia MVP gets awarded the Michael Jordan trophy. I, I You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. almost like these fields that have like, it's a name of a field inside of a stadium that has a corporate sponsor. Um, yeah. look, I, I, I know it was sort of a joke on the internet and all that stuff. And I, and I made my jokes too. I was like, all right, we're going to keep making up awards. Like, do we have the Dion waiters award for most irrational confidence? Like, what are we going to do here? Um, <laughs> the Timothy, Mo- this one was fast break breakfast, the Timothy Mozgov award for best, uh, uh four year contract. contract. Nice. Um, I look, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a nod to history. It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. I think we forget in this stuff that is as silly as some of this stuff can be. Also, it's sports and it's not supposed to matter. This doesn't matter. Sports don't really matter. None of the, it's the most important thing that doesn't matter. There goes half our listenership right there. Well, it's all right. If you think sports actually matter, like the, the winning and the losing, whatever. 
it's all fun. I get it. I like the nod to history. I like honoring some of the former players. The NBA has actually been really good about tying the modern game to its past. We've had the top 75 list that came out over the past year. And they've all and for whatever reason, they've been really gung-ho about naming trophies and creating new ones. We've got the Western Conference champion gets the Magic Johnson trophy. The Eastern Conference one gets the Larry Bird or whatever it is. And so we have all these new awards and new trophies and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, if you care about it, then you care about it. And if you don't care about it, it doesn't matter. And it's the same. The point that I want to get to here, though, is that there's one trophy that they have yet to name. And that's executive of the year. And, And there's been some scuttle that they haven't named it yet because, as you've noticed, they haven't named any of these trophies after current personnel or players or anybody like that, right? Every one of these guys have been retired for a very long time. So, like, LeBron James is not getting his name named after the MVP award or whatever. So, is there a current executive that maybe the NBA is waiting on to retire in order to name executive the executive year of the trophy after them? Because the obvious one, I think, would be Jerry West. But he's already the most clutch. And... and He's the logo, and he's got enough of stuff. Jerry West has been honored enough, so Jerry West doesn't get anything else. But there's been there's a number of executives that are still in roles. One in particular who is managing the Miami Heat, who I think would be a very likely contender to to have the Executive of the Year trophy named after. What do you think, Pat Riley? Executive. I love the Andy Ellisberg Executive of the Year award. That would be phenomenal. Uh, you know, that camera <laughs> Executive of the Year. I, I do. I yeah, Riley. I just don't know that he's associated mostly as an executive at this point. Yes, that would be the thing. Yeah, but I don't know that uh, most most people in the front office or the NBA executive offices consider Riley the executive more than Riley the head coach. So it's it's an interesting question, certainly deserving. I can't think of any other executive in years past that might be might be even yeah. close like the red hour back don nelson red hour back isn't that the nba well, doesn't he have something already red hour back i thought I he was that, a coach of the year award but i, I think I, that might be it yeah the coach of the year is already red hour back so uh you can't name it twice after red hour you can't name two things after red hour back yeah. uh i've heard rc buford he's actually been around for a really long time that's a good one um, that is a good one that I is a good one waiting until masai ujiri retires not uh, with just one ring though not with just one i mean like look you have to have the enough. the five championships of san antonio or the staying power of, of pat riley who built a contender in los angeles new york and miami and so yeah. well, that I would think be the thing right is he did it in a lot of different stops two different coasts he's been associated with the league so long it wouldn't necessarily be pat riley because he was such a great executive even though he was but it would be kind of honoring pat riley in a greater sense who has been tied to the league for decades and decades and decades, finding a way to honor. He wasn't a good player, so you're not going to give him one of these awards. So you, the only kind of thing out there would be either coach of the year, which doesn't is already with Red Auerbach. So maybe executive is just a way. It's just a, a way to get that honor for Pat Riley. So I thought that was interesting. Who knows what it's going to be? The other thing I want to talk about is this new award, Most Clutch. Mm. Now, we can go down the list of the awards. The Heat aren't going to – no player on the Heat is going to win MVP. Nobody's going to win Rookie of the Year. No one's going to win Sixth Man of the Year, and no one's going to win Most Improved. Um, <laughs> Defensive Player the, of the Year. The Bam Hakeem Olajuwon Award goes to Bam Adebayo. I love that idea. I think it's fantastic. And and look, I, it's just this is fresh off a, a night where Jaron Jackson Jr. had what like a hundred blocks in one game or something like that, and he's averaging yeah. three blocks since he returned from injury. 
those are nice stats. Does anybody listening to this or watching this podcast remember who the hell Theo Ratliff is? Like, I, I, I do you know who Theo yeah, Ratliff is? Yeah, do you remember? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that that was to me, that's like what the problem is with the award is that that like Theo was a fine player. And this is not to knock him and the Ratliff family or anybody who might be watching this show. He got a lot of blocks. He wasn't a great defensive player. He was just really tall and he had really, he took advantage of whatever rules were in place when they started instituting the I no handshake rule. to Jaron Jackson, though, because he gets a lot of blocks, but he's a really good defender. You don't need, we can elevate Bam Adebayo's case without poo pooing Jaron Jackson. He's an awesome. As long as you don't name it the Market Smart Award, that's all. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> yeah, it can't be the Market Smart Award. No, I think, look, Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez, OG and B, like all these guys are in the running. It's way. We're not even 30 games into the season. Bam is a contender for the Hakeem Olajuwon Defensive Player of the Year award. But who's in the running for most clutch? And so let me give you a name here. Jimmy Butler, right now, I think if we were to vote for the, who's going to win the Jerry West Award for being most the most clutch player in the league, Jimmy Butler ought to win it. And I'm going to tell you why. Jimmy okay. Butler has already played 13 games in clutch time. The Heat have played more than that. The Heat have played 18 clutch games this year, and that's been a talking point. They're nine and nine in these games. Again, a talking point. Worse percentage than they did last year. The Heat are seven and six when they have Jimmy Butler in those 13 games. His 55 total points in clutch time is fourth in the NBA, tied for fourth with Donovan Mitchell. He's mm. shooting 58.3% in clutch time. That is miles and miles, leaps and bounds, far and away better than anybody else that can even be in consideration. What he is doing in clutch time, the efficiency has been awesome. And let's keep also in mind, this is not clutch shooter, not clutch score. It is clutch player. So that means that there's two sides of the court that should be introduced to this, this formula here. And what has Jimmy Butler also done in clutch time? He had that huge block against Devin Booker, that huge block against Steph Curry. He's getting it done on the defensive end in a way that these other clutch shooters are not doing it. So not only is he the most efficient, but he's the best defender of this group as well. He has been the best clutch two-way player in the NBA. Now, the Miami Heat's record and the disappointing start is going to be a cloud over all of that. But that should not outshine what it is that Jimmy Butler has been able to do. And keep also in mind that the Heat have a winning record in clutch time when Jimmy Butler is playing. So Jimmy Butler right now, to me, far and away, it's not even close right now. The runaway right now, the Jerry West most clutch award this season. Bold take there, uh, but you and I both know that's not how award season works. It's all about the stories that go into it, and I'm I'm okay with that for the most part, if only because I love the story or narrative aspect. That's not a negative thing. Everybody wants to use narrative as some kind of a negative terminology, but that's just not the case. Everybody loves the stories, whether it's a story of a rebuilding team or a team that's on the rise or something like that, or a story of a great player. That's fine. That's what defines basketball. That's what makes it count. No one's going to remember 50 years from now, uh, uh, you know, some statistical analyst or, or, or something an, an analytical that points to somebody's whatever. I can't even think of something off the top of my head. The point being, stories define the NBA, and that's fine. That's what gets passed out from generation to generation. Who is the leading narrative guy? It's narrative guy. Standard, because he's got, the, he's got the loudest game winner. He's got the one against the Washington Wizards that step back three. I think if you were to pull most people, they would just give it to Shea right now because of that one game winner that he had. I don't know that there's been another game winner. AJ Griffin, I guess, for the Hawks. Didn't he have a big shot at some point? Yeah, maybe. I just think that the Grizzlies are so good almost. It's like, I, I feel like they haven't played that many clutch games uh, where Shea... But that matters, though. But that matters, right? It's like you said about the record for the Miami Heat. It, it It's going to be held against Jimmy in terms well, of... Well, last year it would have been DeMar DeRozan. 
right? Because he and they had, had the record of match though. Because they got to those last games and he had like two or three game winners in, in December and January and whatever. And so that's all it, what it's gonna come down to is who's got the game winners that you remember. That's probably how this award's gonna be voted on. Yeah, uh, no, that's point. what I'm thinking. But, so like but, when you have a reporter he does have the defensive plays and then the statistical profile backs it up. And this is an advanced stats. I'm not breaking out box plus minus or anything on you, David. I'm just telling you, he's shooting 58% in clutch time. And he's up there with the, the league leaders in points scored in clutch time. That's very basic information that we're giving out here. Plus the defensive stuff. It's a very compelling argument. And, and the Heat, as bad as they have been, We've seen this with like MVPs and stuff, lifting up a bad team and a, and a, a, a below average supporting cast. We're going to give Russell Westbrook the MVP or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Butler lifting this team in clutch time that has otherwise not been good without him. That's a narrative argument too. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, all of it uh, is TBD. We don't need to discuss it too much because again, we're not even 30 games into the season, but I do think Jimmy Butler is laying has already laid the foundation for a pretty compelling case by the end of let's, the season. Let's launch the campaign here. We started here first. He's Mr. Mr. Jerry West, the irony of all ironies here. If Max Strews continues to struggle, could the Heat try to shop him? We're going to talk about that next. But first, David, tell the listeners about Turo. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Turo, the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip. The summer's coming up at some point. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Or you could find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. And any Turo host can even deliver the car right to you every trip is backed by liability insurance terms and conditions and exclusions do apply forget boring rental cars and find your drive at turo.com thank you for making locked on heat your first listen for the next listen check out the locked on sports today podcast the biggest stories of the day instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day available in the odyssey app youtube wherever you get your podcasts all right let's get to a couple of mailbag questions here this first one is sent in by that one guy who writes in, if Max continues to struggle and they're clearly just waiting to trade Duncan, do the Heat bring in another shooter? David, what do we think? Uh, No, I don't think they'll grab another shooter. I just don't know that there's anyone available either. I think that's part of the issue, as always, is that you're just not going to be able to clear spots up. What are you going to do? Look, we, you know, Miami had added Stanley Johnson to the Sioux Falls Sky Force, and then he signs a one-year deal earlier today with the San Antonio Spurs. So whatever envision, whatever, whatever vision people had of him possibly joining Miami as a stretch four or something along those lines, isn't going to work out because now he's a San Antonio Spur. He can you know, get his career back on track there. I just think that there aren't a lot of shooters available that are good enough and can buy into a Miami system right away so that they can contribute at a meaningful level. What do you think? I think they'll explore it. I think they'll explore it. Um, look, I, I, I know that this Thursday, everybody's looking at, hey, you know, December 15th, 90% of the league is eligible to get traded. Let's get some stuff going. Fire up the trade machine and all this stuff. The reality is very few trades are going to get, I would bet, if I had to put a dollar on it, no trades get done December 15th. And maybe not in the couple days following as much as we want to hype it up. The reality of the NBA is like nothing's, just because you're eligible to start trading players, stuff doesn't get done until the deadline. And and the deadline this year is February 9th. So um, I don't think it'll happen right away. 
But I do think over the the next couple of months, the Heat will explore it, especially if Max Struess's shooting slump continues. Duncan Robinson, as that one guy points out, not even in the rotation. We know that they're His trying to play. His name is Jade, Wes. His name is Jade. He's a long-time listener. You know that. He says it's that one guy on, on his thing. Is his name Jade? Yeah, Jade. Jade Jacobson. He's been a long-time listener. All right. Very good. Um, and then and then we gave Vincent, too, also shooting sub-30%. So I think the Heat can look at Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, and Duncan Robinson, the three guys who, along with Caleb Martin, but Caleb Martin has been good at shooting threes this mm-hmm. year, uh, the three guys who were spacing the floor for Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo last year have not been spacing the floor for them so much this year. I think they'll at least explore flipping all three of them. I, and I'm not reporting that. It's just speculative. But I think they'll at least explore, hey, what can we do? How can we... You know, is there something that we could put Max Struess into a, a, Gabe, a deal that we can add Gabe Vincent into as sweetener, something like that, to try to just move some of these deck chairs around to just try to find somebody who could space the floor at some point? Because also, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, these guys are on expiring contracts. So if they're not doing it for you this year, doubtful that they'll do it for you next year because they might they might not be back again. Not not trying to get too long term and speculate too much on this stuff, but the Heat need spacing around Jimmy and Bam. And right now, they're not getting it. Um, this next one comes from Alan, who writes in, is Duncan Robinson for sure gone? I think he is, since he basically lost all of his playing time. David, is Duncan Robinson gone for sure? I feel like we've answered this question or hinted around it uh, before, but uh, no, I don't think he's for sure gone. I think Miami doesn't care how much he's getting paid. Like Spo isn't concerned with those kind of front office decisions. Those are up to Pat Riley in the front office and Mickey Harrison. Spo just wants to win. And unfortunately right now he doesn't see that Duncan can contribute to winning on a consistent level. He's not able to produce much from the three point line. The shot seems to be broken. His confidence seems to be broken. And so despite the contract, he's on the roster He's content to just give him D and PCDs all day long uh, for the rest of the season. And uh, you know, when it comes to Duncan and the possibility of trading for him, we've gone over this with other hosts. We've gone over this with other local media members. Who is willing to take on Duncan Robinson's contract? I'm There's glad value you there. asked, David. I am so glad you asked because I, I look. I can't add much to what you just said. He hasn't played well. He hasn't shot to, uh, especially well. And now he's out of the rotation for one reason or the other. He's out of the rotation. We don't need to belabor that point. I got one new fake trade for you. All right. Here we go. There is reports out of one Los Angeles that the Lakers have been looking for a movement shooter. They waived Matt Ryan, who was a player on their roster, for those who are not aware. And he was their best movement shooter. They waived him. They opened up a new roster spot for some reason or another. Um, their best three-point shooter now is Austin Reeves. He's kind of just a catch-and-shoot spot-up guy, not really on the move, just sort of a, a standstill shooter. He's been good for them, no doubt, but not a movement shooter. And they've been looking for it. The, the, the analysis and the reports out of Los Angeles is like, hey, you look at all the sets that the Lakers are running. It is built for a movement shooter. Triple handoffs with Anthony Davis. We know how much LeBron James loves being able to pass to movement shooters and that dynamic kind of offense. Who's one of the best movement shooters in the NBA and has been for the last three or four years? Duncan Robinson. I know that the numbers don't back it up, but we've said this time, you don't just become a bad shooter like that. Not the way that Duncan Robinson is. He's just not getting the playing time. He's not able to work through any shooting stumps that he may have. Um, I think the Lakers make a lot of sense for Duncan Robinson. 
We also know that they have a few players that are completely out of the rotation that are making a, a lot of money. This is not a Russell Westbrook trade, but I think Patrick Beverly and then one other of these sort of bit contracts, whether it's a Juan Descano Anderson or a Damian Jones or something, uh, something, somebody that's just not in their night to night rotation. You throw that in there to make the salaries work. The heat, who knows what's going on with Gabe Vincent. Mm. The heat have been really, Boy about it. Spo is talking about Gabe Vincent the way he talked earlier in the season about Victor Oladipo saying, oh, yeah, we're hoping sooner rather than later. I have no idea when Gabe Vincent can be is going to be back. It could be Wednesday night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It could be two months from now. I have no idea when Gabe Vincent is coming back. So there might be a need for a backup point guard. Duncan Robinson to the Lakers gives them the shooting that they need. You bring in Patrick Beverly. You bring in another bit player who may or may not be able to help in the rotation. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. All of those players that you're bringing back, expiring deals, you get off the Duncan Robinson money, and if you're Lakers, you get a shooter to put around LeBron James and Anthony Davis and space the floor for them. What do we think? Yeah, sounds great. Um, I think it's a done deal. I'm like, look, I, Lakers fans do not have a high level of confidence in Rob Palinka, uh, but there is a sense of urgency there, as we've talked about before, with Anthony Davis playing at an MVP-type level, LeBron having a great all-star level season. Like, if you're going to capitalize on this year and you want to be able to bring another championship to los angeles or at least be able to cut that something that seems somewhat far-fetched you don't want to at least just go limply into the into the dark there uh, i think making a trade for somebody that can play together with those and isn't going to demand the ball is just going to be a great complimentary role player i could see it working like i remember in cleveland where they brought in kyle corver and channing yeah, fry I and all those kind of role players that seems to be a, the, the kind of modus operandi for how you build a team around LeBron James. So, yeah. It, it would be a great change of scenery for Duncan Robinson because, like, those guys, Channing Fry Trains in Los Angeles, too. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? And it's right. it's Miami and Los Angeles, the two places. <laughs> but um, LeBron is able to amplify guys with the talents of Duncan Robinson in a way that probably no other player ever has, right? Like, that th- specific skill of being a good three-point shooter, nobody in the history of the league has amplified those players to the degree that LeBron James has. I think when we talk about Duncan Robinson and a potential change of scenery, going to Los Angeles as opposed to being shipped off to Utah or something like that and playing with LeBron is that's a winning trade for Duncan Robinson. He would probably be doing backflips in his in his house if that were to happen. But um, look, we're talking about some trades. We talked about some slumps and all this stuff. We do have reasons for optimism when we zoom out away from the Miami Heat and the myopic stuff that we're talking about here. You zoom out. And you look at the Eastern Conference standings overall, there is reason for optimism. We'll tell you what it is next. But first, today's episode of Locked On Heat is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. They have it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, they are, uh, you can find those over at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. What do we have today on the site? Let's see. We have the Miami Heat have an early lineup for tomorrow's game in Oklahoma City. The Heat are actually three-point favorites in OKC. The Thunder have a pretty good home record. It's on the road that they mostly struggle. The Heat coming off of a win that they needed against the Pacers, but as we recovered in our recap, not a win that you feel terribly great about, uh, but Definitely something that they can build on. Can the Heat win by at least three points against the Oklahoma City Thunder? If you have a uh, take on that, you can put your money where your mouth is over at Bet Online. Bet Online, 
where the game starts. All right, back here with Locked On Heat. Thank you for making us your first listen. Reach out to Locked On Heat on Twitter, Instagram. Email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Our next question in five burning questions. Of the teams ahead of the Heat, uh, of the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference standings, which have the best chance to slip? If we look at the standings right now, David, the yep. Miami Heat are 10th in the Eastern Conference. Ooh. They are two and a half games behind. Nope, did my math wrong again. They are one and a half games behind the New York Knicks for the sixth seed and a spot away from the play-in tournament. Uh, two games outside of the Philadelphia 76ers who are in fifth. Um, of all the teams in the East, the only three that I trust right now to kind of hang on to their spot in the in their standings, at least, uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland. I trust them. Cleveland? They're, I do. I trust Cleveland. I just think that they're they're a good, solid they're five team. Five and five in their last ten. Uh, they've been uh, struggling. I know Jared Allen missed time due to injury. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I don't, they're a lot shakier than I, I, I think uh, a, okay. a lot of people. They're a record reflect. Yeah, I do. I think any team not named Boston and Milwaukee, like both those teams, like Boston, you know, they lost two games in a row. They've proven to be the best team in the NBA, and I think that's fair. They've also lost a game just last week to the Miami Heat, although that seems like an eternity ago. Um, I think they're expecting this big boost with the return of Rob Williams. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to provide that boost, but I don't think that they necessarily need him either. I think they've been a very, very good team without him. Having said that, I think Milwaukee's also a strong contender. They've been very, very good 19 and seven. They're just two games back of the Celtics. They're probably going to be angling for a trade. They've got the great and Allen piece, uh, uh, you know, piece that they can trade to acquire Jake Crowder or somebody else to kind of shore up that front court depth. So I like their chances. Aside from that, I don't think there's any team above Miami right now that is locked in with Penn. I think all of those can easily slip a couple games here and there. I'm not a believer in the Nets and their chemistry. The Sixers are hinged on health. The Brooklyn Nets, they're one Kyrie something away from slipping this whole thing to score or a Ben Simmons back tweak and then whatever. So I I, I don't trust Brooklyn. I have no idea. KD, whatever. I I don't trust the drama there. I'm higher on Cleveland than you are. Not necessarily to come out of the East or whatever. I just I think they're they're just a team built to win regular season games. That and that I'm saying nothing about their playoff chances. That's not pro or con their playoff chances. I just I think they're built to win games. Uh, the Sixers. It feels like they could go on a run as they get healthy, but also it hasn't been awesome between James Harden and Joel Embiid. But right. also Joel Embiid is in the MVP race. I just I'm betting on their just raw talent that they have on that roster, and there's a lot of it. Um, so I think. So who's the one team that's we'll most likely out to of slip? Like right. For me, for me, it's Atlanta. I think Atlanta yes. seems pretty likely. The chemistry issues, the fit issues are a problem. They're perpetually trading John Collins. I don't know what they'll get back in return. So I'll hedge my bets a little bit and say that depending on what the label they're able to get, if they eventually wind up trading John Collins, uh, would yeah. be a huge factor in determining whether or not they'll be able to slip eventually. The Indiana Pacers, I well, think. Well, no, no, let's stay on the Hawks. Let's stay on the yeah. Hawks because they're 14 and 14. They're seventh place, you know, in, in still that's in the play in tournament. The Heat are three and seven over their last 10. So they've three already started their last 10. Their point differential is actually worse than that of the Miami Heat. Hmm. And all of this drama around Trey Young and Nate McMillan. That's bad stuff. All right. That is not a media narrative. That's not whatever you want to think about the reporter and Trey Young and that whole viral clip. The reporter was asking questions and there's because something's happening there. And everything that I've heard is there's fire beneath that smoke. And uh, so with the Atlanta Hawks, 
I don't know what's going to happen there, but it ain't good right now. So I, I, I think that that's going to, I could see them slipping. And then you were about to talk about the Pacers. They're also 14 and 14 tied with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, just a game up over the Miami heat in the, in the standings. So we're not talking about anything huge here, but when we're talking about slipping, the Pacers also have actually a negative point differential. And I love the, I really like this Pacers team, despite it's the fact group. that they put up 82 points against the heat the other night, but, yeah. uh, there are minus uh, one point differential. That's sort of in the same territory as Miami and Atlanta slightly better. Uh, but like the Hawks, they've also lost seven of their last 10 kind of feels like some of that that vigor and that catch you by surpriseiness of the Pacers earlier in the season, kind of like it already happened to the Utah jazz a couple weeks ago, it's starting to happen with the Pacers and they could end up selling on buddy healed and miles Turner. We're going to see what happens there too. So I could see them slipping. Yeah, that was always the plan. They were never supposed to be this good this quickly. And that's the thing that caught everybody by surprise is that Tyrese Halliburton wound up turning into a all-star level playmaker and scorer. And he wound up having really good. And then Matherin as a rookie, he wound up being a great contributor off the bench Turner was out for a lot of games and they kind of weathered that storm really admirably. And then he's returned, you know, they got some good minutes from Chris Duarte, uh, TJ McConnell, et cetera. I mean, they've, they've got a good group there, but they were always a rebuilding team. And, and we've talked to Tony East from locked on, uh, locked on Pacers and he was unsure of how long this would last. So I think the expectation was always that this Pacers team would eventually bottom out. I don't, he doesn't even see them really as a play in tournament team at this point. So I think that's more realistic because they'll probably be where Miami is currently Tony, in the standings. Tony said that recently about the Pacers that he doesn't even think that they're a playing team. I think eventually, play? eventually things will regress to the mean. I think that's what he uh, officially told me. Yes. Oh, all right. Um, like I said, I might be misremembering this, but I no, I know. But like the Pacers, whatever. I mean, they're young, and that's not the point this year for them, right? They right. they they found some real. They weren't like, supposed to be a playoff. Catherine team. is a dude, right? Like Nembard is a guy for them. Like they're. They're building something good there in Indiana, but uh, I do think that they'll eventually slip. Like that youth catches up to you, that inexperience, that stuff catches up to you. And like we said, by the trade deadline, they could decide to sell some of these parts that have been really helpful for them. Um, the Knicks feels like they're more, they're 14 and 13. They're right now in sixth place. Feels like they're more unlikely to unravel. They're more likely to unravel. I know they've won four in a row, like good for you, New York Knicks fans, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'll trust the Knicks. They're trading what, Evan so Fournier? Yeah, I mean Emmanuel yeah, quickly. Might, who else is on the training block there? It seems like half the roster is Cam, Cam Reddish, um, right, Cam Reddish, things like that. So, what do you think uh, about him in Miami? I know a lot of people are excited about the possibility. I mean, as another salvageable prospect type player, he's still young. Obviously, he's got the athletic uh, wing type body that you could use and develop here in Miami. You think he's a prospect? Uh, yeah. He can make threes. The thing is, defensively, he's just not there yet. Um, okay. Maybe Miami feels like they can coax more out of him and coach him up. I'm not opposed to bringing them in and trying it. What does it cost? I don't know. You can't really give up a draft pick for Cam Reddish, but if it's like Dwayne Dedman and Max Struess for Cam Reddish or something like that, yeah, sign me up. I don't, I don't have a problem what's with he, it. What's he making per He's year? Could it be like a Max Struess even swap there? Uh, well, because of the money, it doesn't work. So you okay, that's why I'm, I just want, I didn't know that's what why I said. Is. That's why I said Dedman and Struess is because you need okay. the money in there. Um, Toronto, they could make a big move there right now, uh, 13 and 14, a half game up over the Heat in ninth place. I, I, I still think, like, Toronto's not going to sell. I think they'd be buyers, and because they could be buyers, maybe they make some sort of move to launch up into the standings here. We'll see with Toronto. They're very much in the same boat as the Miami Heat. They've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt, and so I'll give both of these teams the benefit of the doubt, ultimately. No, they suck. In terms of at least playoff positioning and stuff, like making the playoffs. 
so that's really it. That's th- those are the those are the playoff teams. Um, in terms of like the ones that are right now on the outside looking in, Chicago, Washington, Orlando, Charlotte, Detroit. Forget it for all for all five of them. So you think they're um, all done? Chicago doesn't have yeah. a chance of rebuilding. Okay. Sorry, Chicago Bulls. Not happening. Bad vibes. Bad vibes um, so I really think these are the 10. It's just what order. You know, I think we're pretty much figured that out. All right. Let's move on. Uh, final question and five burning questions. We are recording this on National Ice Cream Day. David, what is your go-to ice cream flavor? Wes, this isn't going to surprise you at all. I don't really okay. like ice cream. I don't really like ice cream that much. I'm not an ice cream guy. Uh, it's it's fine. I just it's not something I ever indulge. No in meat and ice cream, David. <laughs> no, that I know there is dairy, but no, that's not what keeps me from eating it. I just I'm not you know I I never really that's not my go to uh, dessert of choice. There, you're not like, celebrating National Ice Cream Day. I not personally, no. I, it's just uh, not in our religious purview. There, I, I look. I, I love ice cream. It's great. I just thought something that I indulge in a lot. Sound like you love ice cream, actually. I, I, I'm all BS on that. Does not sound like you love ice cream. <laughs> well, you, you can love something and not get it all the time, right? And not do it all, or not eat it all the time. That I know. Something. Yeah, okay. for sure. <laughs> okay, so I mean, look, I, I like uh, Ben and Jerry's fish food. Everybody knows okay. I'm a big fish fan. That's a delicious yeah. flavor. All right, uh, cookies, and Oreo, cookies and cream. That's a delicious cookie dough. Those are great flavors. Cookie dough is maybe my least favorite ice cream flavor. You hate everything cookie dough. That's right. I do. I'm not a cookie dough guy. It's it's a weight to me. Although cookie dough built bars are among your favorites. I know. You, you know what's so that. funny? I literally actually just had a cookie dough built bar right before we started recording. And your life is better for a cookie it. dough built bar. It could just be called cookie built bar. For whatever reason in their marketing room or whatever, they decided that cookie dough is more marketable because sickos actually enjoy cookie dough more than cookies. Here's the thing about cookie dough. Cookie dough is a wasted opportunity. Where there's cookie dough, there could easily be in a few minutes cookies. Just wait. Put it in the oven and put it in the oven. It is so much better as cookies than cookie dough. Cookie (sighs) dough has no business. That said, uh, this is like this is like me talking about the NBA draft. You you and Cookie Dough, me and I've done the, the Cookie draft. Dough rant in probably a couple of years. No, no. You, even when you were on Locked On Warriors, you would come on the show just to talk about Cookie Dough. I think if I was doing a bill ad, and you would, and I had to say something about the new. Oh, cookie you're dough, right. I would do it. I would do it. You're like, oh, Cookie Dough is garbage. It's like I. Right. Like you're not even. You're your guest. You're not even supposed to be talking, and you're you're like going ahead and offer your rant there. So. My go-to ice cream flavor is Rocky Road. Is that a tra- that's like a classic ice cream flavor, right? Very much it's so. A little, Very much so. Yeah, I lo- I love Rocky Road. It's marshmallow. There's like almonds in it, right? It's, it's some sort of nut. I think I, I've never had it, so I don't know. Really, yeah, I'm not actually. No. A, I'm actually not even a marshmallow guy. I think it's okay. like cookie dough marshmallow. I don't enjoy that sort of texture, but in the Rocky Road, it just elevates it. Marshmallow to Rocky Road is like Duncan Robinson to LeBron James. Like LeBron can just amplify three-point shooters like Duncan wow. Robinson. Synergy, just tying chocolate it all together. Ice, it could just because chocolate amplifies marshmallow. I like s'mores and all that kind of stuff. So um <laughs> not a fan of just marshmallow by itself, but you pair marshmallow with chocolate. Now we're talking. Now we're really cooking about that. Uh, um yeah. Do you have a favorite brand or anything like that? I mean, I know we're open to all sponsorship no, I, opportunities. I, yes, I love whatever you're selling. Random ice cream salesperson listening to this show. Ben and Jerry's. I've been to Vermont. I've been to a Ben and Jerry's in Vermont, if not the original Ben and Jerry's location in Vermont. I think like that's that should count for something. I mean, Fish, my favorite band from Vermont. Come on, like this is just natural partnership here. This is perfect. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll eat ice cream. I'll eat ice cream on air if you sponsor this show. I'll tell you that much. I will wow. do it every episode. Every episode. Yeah. How can you pass that up? 
But no thin mints. Again, for making Lockdown Heat your first every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. Our drive to 5,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Hit that subscribe button. Help us out. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back Wednesday night with a recap of the Heat's game in Oklahoma City. Until then, thanks for joining us, and thanks for joining me, David. 